We're going to jump into uh, the Word uh, tonight. I'm glad to see those that are online with us and those of you that are commenting and, and uh, saying hello. We say hello to all of you and thank you for joining in uh, with us. We are going to be starting tonight a series in the book of Ruth. Uh, it's going to be a several week series. I don't, I don't know exactly the amount, number of weeks. Uh, every time I try to predict that, we usually end up going ahead. Every now and then we might shut it off a little quicker than I thought, but usually it ends up going longer than I anticipated. Uh, because once we get going in, we might get hung up on one section and then have to come back and revisit that the next week. So we're going to be walking through the book of Ruth. And the concept that we're going to be looking at as we study through the book of Ruth is we're going to be talking about this concept of freedom for all. Now, there are many ways you can go through the book of Ruth. There are many themes that you can find in the book of Ruth. Uh, I know the book of Ruth is often used as, a, and, and it is, a book that very much is expressive of love. Uh, and, and expressive of loving others and, and family love and, and uh, spousal love. And, and so you could take it that way. You know, the very familiar scrap, uh, scripture where Ruth tells Naomi, her mother-in-law, where you go, I'll go. Well, your God is my God, and I will go with you all the way. So we, but we're not going that way through this study in Ruth. We are going to look at freedom for all and ultimately what we're going to talk about is the child that is born in the book of Ruth and the fact that that child represented freedom for everyone in the story of the book of Ruth and not only in the book of Ruth but that child represented freedom for everyone that would come even after, uh, far after the book of Ruth. That child that is going to be born, that we are going to come to uh, in uh, the book of Ruth, when we get to that place, that child that we are going to come to with, with Obed, we are going to discover that child is going to represent freedom even for you and I. And so we're going to take a journey through the book of Ruth. And we're going to learn some things, hopefully. We're going to pull some things out of this that, that I believe is, is going to be impactful. But for tonight, we are going to begin the book of Ruth in chapter number 1. Now, after tonight, we are going to spend more time looking at, at each character individually in the story that unfolds through the book of Ruth. Uh, so, so just to kind of give you a little bit of a heads up, we're going we're gonna to look at Ruth. We're going to study the, the, the freedom that was given to Ruth uh, into, this, into this story. We're going to study Naomi. We're going we're gonna to find what God uh, was doing in Naomi's life and the freedom uh, that Obed eventually would, would bring to Naomi. We're going to look at Boaz, uh, the kinsman redeemer that's going to come up in the story and talk about the provision that this child would bring for him. We're going to bring up some characters that are not in this book, but we're going to talk about David. 
and some destiny that is a part of David's life. And then we're going to talk about us uh, and an inheritance that we find in the book of Ruth. And then we are going to close out this study talking about the nations of the world and all people because we're going to look at how this child represents healing for the nations and freedom for all people. And so we, we've got a long journey ahead of us. And so uh, we're going to cover just about uh, everybody as we walk through this. So I want you to just get ready. If you want to, you can just read through the book of Ruth and continue to read through and maybe do some studying on your own so you are prepared to pull as much out of this story as you possibly can. So freedom for all. I started to title this series, A Child of freedom for all. But I'm just going to call it freedom for all. That's going to be our our study through the book of Ruth. Now, I, I'm going to jump into this. And really tonight is very introductory. So, so we're not going to be as in depth in the book of Ruth tonight. As we're about to go over the next several weeks. But I want to do some introduction tonight. And I want to share with you some direction that the Lord has brought into my heart as I have been preparing for this. And even up until today, the Lord has been giving me some direction uh, out of this and where we are headed tonight. So I, I want you to read with me first of all. So let's go to Ruth, chapter number 1 and verse number 1. We're just going to start off right here and 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 do some reading here in the book of Ruth. So Ruth chapter number 1. Beginning at verse number 1. And I'll probably stop when I get to where I want to stop. And we'll talk a little bit. Of, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about this. But here's how the book of Ruth starts. Now it came to pass. In the days when the judges ruled. That there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. Went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and they remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. Now her two sons, they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman, Naomi, was survived she survived her two sons and her husband. And we're going to continue on just a little bit more. Verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So the story starts. By telling us where this story sets in the framework of scriptures. The book of Ruth comes right after 
chronologically in our Bibles or following along book by book in our Bibles, the book of Ruth comes right after the book of Judges. And the reason for that is because what I just read to you in verse number one was the story of Ruth takes place in the time of the Judges. So when the Judges were ruling Israel, that's when this story takes place. And what happens is that there was a famine in the land in this time. And so because there was a great famine and there was no no bread, no food for them to have, and and famine would, would devastate families, especially in that day. They didn't have the means that we have now to just have things. They usually, in, in times of desperation, they had to leave where they were at to find somewhere that they could survive, at least temporarily. And the King James Version, I say, I believe, says that as they left, they were going to sojourn in Moab, meaning they were going to dwell there for a time. They were going to travel there, but that was not going to be their permanent residence. They were going to wait until they could come back, and then they were coming back home. But there was a famine in the land. Now, there's a few things that I want to pull out of this very first setting that we have looked at tonight that that may or may not piece all the way into the study, but are very important for tonight. And and that is this. I, I want you to I want you to notice something. And if the Lord will help me, um, we're gonna we're gonna get through this and I, I'm gonna revisit some parts of this in just a moment. But an important concept that I believe is an aspect of this story is, is where the word tells us that in verse 6 she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab and go back to her home, back to Bethlehem of Judah, back to her home because now there was bread again in the land. So I want to talk to you about some concepts. The first thing is, I want us to conclude as we study through this that it is time for us to go back to the place where there is bread. Time for us as believers, as the church, to go back to the areas that were productive. Back to the place where we were thriving. Back to the place where we were truly living the way God would want us uh, to live. There, there may have been a famine, but now there was bread again. Now the Lord began to speak to me in prayer about this. Because I believe that for us right now tonight, this can represent something to us. Because I've got to tell you, I believe... That over the last little while in vast parts of the church world, not in all, not in the whole of the church world, but especially in many aspects of the church world in the United States of America, there has been a famine. Now, bread often in the Bible is a a representative of the Word of God. And there has been a famine of the Word of God. And there have been some things that have happened because of that. And that is many who once partook of the bread, the Word of God, because there has been a famine of the Word, have moved on to other areas. We see that. We have seen an exodus out of the church. 
We've seen, we've seen it among our young. We've seen it among families. We've seen, we, we are in the midst of seeing an exodus from among the church. And the reason is because for far too long in too many circles of the church, there has been a famine of the Word of God. The true Word of God. The doctrines of the Word of God. The, the preaching of the Word. Now, just I, I want you to catch this because the Lord really began to direct me because there has been a famine, but let me share some good news with you. There is bread again in the house of the Lord. Bethlehem means the house of bread. There is bread again in the house of the Lord. Amen. There's a, there are those that God is calling to step up and to put the word as priority again. Not that they've ever left, but it is, there is a big division that is happening among what we call the church world. I'm not so sure God calls all that we do the church world. At least His church world. But there is becoming a division between those who are going to teach and preach the word and those who are going to go off another direction and there's a famine of the word in those places. It, it, there, there, are, there is bread again. The word, it's time for the word to come back into the house of God. That the priority when we gather is to come together around the word of God. Because the word of God, we read in the New Testament, the word of God is good for reproof and rebuke. It's good for doctrine, for training, and for teaching. It's good. We need the Word. Can somebody say with me tonight, we need a revival of the Word of God. We don't need man's opinions. We don't, we don't need man, modern man trying to change God's Word to fit a modern culture. That's what's happening in the church world. Too many people... Too many preachers. Let me just make it real. And you and I have to be very careful of those we are listening to. Because there are far too many who are trying to take their modern, this current mindset, and they're trying to make the Word of God fit into their current mindset. And anything that the Word of God says that's contrary to their current mindset, then they want to just throw away that. They want to call that evil. They want to call that wicked. They want to call, and what's happening is it is causing a famine of the true Word of God that has resulted in an exodus of people from the faith. Because when there is a famine of the Word, people go out on their own. Amen. I mean, this is, a, this is a real issue that we are living in. It's time to lead a new generation to the place again of God's presence. Time to lead a new generation to the place of God's redemption. It's time to lead a new generation to the place of spirit empowerment. And that all there will find freedom. 
See, the, here's the characters that are left out of this story that will not find freedom in this story, that are characters in this story. Elimelech, Malon, and Chilion never made it back. They wandered off during a famine, and they never made it back. Now, now I'm not saying they, they were spiritually lost. I'm just using the representation of that. They went out in famine time and never made it back. And can I be bold enough to tell you tonight, the sad reality is that there are many, many multitudes of people who have wandered off during this time of famine that will not make it back. That ought, that ought alone, that should wake us up. Because there are many that because of the famine that's been in the church in many instances have wandered off on their own to another place and will not make it back. How many of you understand there's, when you wander off on your own, away from God, there's no guarantee you're going to make it back. Now, I'm, I've come to be stout, and this series is going to be stout. Because the Lord has challenged me with some stuff. Now, here's something else that I noticed in this that I want you to see with me. They go out. When they get to Moab, let's, let's pick this up uh, in, in verse number 3. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. So they went out. They're there in Moab, and Elimelech dies. And she was left and her two sons. Okay? Then the very next verse, verse 4. Now, her two sons then took wives of the women of Moab. Their names were Orpah and Ruth. And then they, they, they dwelt there for about ten years. About ten years. In verse 5, then Malon and Chilion also died. So Naomi outlived her husband and her two sons. Now there's something that came to my heart and mind as I was studying this. And, and for li- listen to this. For apparently somewhere around ten years... The daughter-in-laws, the daughters-in-law of Naomi had produced nothing. Their husbands died, but in the time frame that they were married, there were no babies. There were no, there were no heirs there. That's the whole story. Naomi goes back home and tells her two daughter-in-laws, just go home to your families. Maybe you can find a husband and and you can live at peace. I'm releasing you from me. So for ten years, they had nothing but death. and, and, And there was no production that we see according to the Word of God. For ten years. Until they hear there's bread again. Back at Jerusalem, back at Bethlehem, Judah, there's there's bread again. And so Naomi says, I'm getting back home. She tells them, you go your own way. Okay, I'm I'm headed back home. So so I've got to go because now I've come back. Can, Can I tell you, after 10 years, when they got back home, 
it would have looked much different than it was when they left. Just think with me for a moment. Do you know that a lot can change in 10 years? Amen? I want you to think in your mind with me right here in Moore, Oklahoma, to 10 years ago. You know what year 10 years ago would have been? What, what, somebody help me. What year was that? 2011. Okay. So we were living in a, in a city that was before the 2013 tornado. How many no more looked a whole lot different then? Amen. How many know this neighborhood that our church is in, this neighborhood right there, looked totally different? You, the schools, not just the neighborhood, but, but all the schools that are right here in our neighborhoods would look a whole lot different. Amen. The houses would have looked different. Now, if you go over there now, you see new homes, new schools. I, you drive down 19th Street, it'll blow your mind, before COVID anyway, that, that people still want to move to more after all the tornadoes we have. But you got businesses booming everywhere. you got huge apartment complexes coming in. You've got, you got major companies moving into the area. And all of, it, it's a completely different place. Now, I'm going somewhere with this because after 10 years, Naomi and Ruth are going to go back. And it's going to look totally different, but God is going to show up in a brand new way. Now, I've come right here to say something in this opening of this study tonight. Because I want to tell you, I believe that we have been in a famine of the Word of God in much of the church world of this day. I believe there are people that have wandered off on their own, that some are not going to make it back. And that should break our hearts. I believe that there are some that are going to begin to migrate their way back. But here's what I do know. I believe there is a fresh move of God that is going to come. And I believe it's not going to look anything like we have seen God do in the past. Because I believe time has changed situations, but God is still God. Our churches will not look the same. They're not going to. Our ministries are not going to look the same. We're going to have to be strategic in the way we reach our world. But, but I want to tell you, it is imperative that we begin to, to do this. That we begin to realize and we begin to tell our world, hey, there's bread again in the house of God. There is a fresh move of God. You need to make your way back. It's not going to look the same. And we're not going to do everything the same. And it's not going to be as comfortable as we once were. But God is going to move in a way that is going to usher in what I believe is going to be the end of time. And any time judgment is about to come upon the world, God pours out revival. 
And I believe. So see, I think we're looking at this all wrong. I think, I think we've got in our mind, oh, we're just in such bad shape that there's no way. No, there, there's going to be a way that God's going to bring revival. It may not look the way we think it's going to look. It may not be the, I, I don't believe it's going to be the superstar preachers and, and all of these huge mega settings. I believe we are going to have to get back to settings where in local congregations we are calling out upon the Lord. We are reaching our family and our friends. We are calling out to those in our area that need the Lord. And we are seeing revival in our local settings. Because that's where impact is going to be in these last moments. Whether they shut you down on YouTube or other social media or not, it won't matter because the revival God is going to bring is going to be in connection that we have with one another, which is why I believe the enemy has tried to use this pandemic to bring isolation and to keep us from being able to be together at all. He's going to use it for as long as as he can which is why I understand why we have had to stay distance and do that because of what we've been through but at the same time I believe it is important and imperative and I will not quit reminding us all of the importance of coming on campus in house and connecting together and so those of you that are watching online I'm so thankful you are and I understand that you may not be able to come back but when you are it is imperative that you don't let the enemy keep you from coming back and connecting together because connecting back is where revival is going to be seen. Amen. And it's the world we're living in. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Do you know when Naomi gets back home, it's going to feel totally different. Because now she's there and her husband's not there. Her sons are not there. One of her daughters-in-law is not there. Family members that she would have known would have passed in that 10-year time. Especially in times of, of famine. It's not going to look the same. She's not going to have the same familiarities. And see, I think in the church, some of us are looking for that familiar thing of God, that familiar move of God. So we just want things to go back to the way we're accustomed to. So, but it's not happening. Time has gone by. Change has occurred. But it doesn't mean God's hand is shortened according to His promises. So we got to get out of the mindset of what we're expecting to see and what we're expecting things to feel like. And we just got to get back to the Word of God. And we got to get back to the move of God and the life living for God and the testimonies that we are to share for God. And here's what I really want to pound home tonight. It is time for us. This is the challenge God has given to me. And you're going to hear more about this Sunday morning. But this is the challenge God has given to me it to lead us right here at Riverline. It is time for us to make sure we are being a Pentecostal spirit-filled voice to Moore, to Cleveland County, and to the Oklahoma City Metro. We must be. Our culture needs a strong, vibrant, Pentecostal, spirit-filled voice. That's nothing about anybody else that's in our area, any other church. All I can deal with is the church God has called me to pastor. 
And I do know this. There are some that are trying to do this, but it's not near enough for the culture that we're living in. So every church that will make a decision and every pastor and every person that attends that local church that will make a decision, we are not going to back away from the power of the Spirit of God that's brought us to this point. We will be a voice that there are many in this culture, in our communities, that they need to hear. We've got family members. We've got friends. And and listen... Our message, our words, our lives have got to be different. It's got to be different. We cannot be just like the world around us. We cannot, we cannot do away with our beliefs in this word to try to fit in with the world around us. We have to be different. And by being different, I'm not talking about the way we dress or the, or the way we, we look. I'm talking about the way we live and the way we talk. It has to be different. It's time. It may look different than you're used to and I'm used to, but the Lord has lit a fire in my soul. And let me tell you what, this is what in prayer, this is the fire the Lord has lit in your pastor's soul, okay? And I'm asking you and anyone watching me online, I'm asking you to join with me and help me do this because here in my prayer time, and the Lord just hit me with this today as I was praying. He just poured this into me. Here's what I am praying for. The Lord lit a fire in me just this afternoon in prayer that He is calling me and He is inviting you to also be a part of this to win our kids and our grandkids back to the Lord. How? By preaching and teaching the Word. By speaking the word. By showing a difference and a reality of what living for Christ looks like. To bring families back into the kingdom of God. To call our elders to finish as a strong example of one who lives for Christ. To never throw in the towel in this moment. To call the prodigals back home again. That's what the Lord, He, he has called me to that. And, and here's the thing, if we will pray, and we will be led by the Spirit, and we will strive for holy living, and we will love people, God will send revival right here. He'll send it in us. I don't know how many or any of that stuff. I don't have any clue on that. But all I know is God needs centers that will be open doors for His power and His presence that we would see the moving of His Spirit again. It's time. We can't, we can't waste more time. Every day we waste not praying. Every day we waste not being led by the Spirit. 
Every day we waste not studying the Word of God. Every day we waste not prioritizing the presence of God and the connecting together with God's people. There are more and more people that are wandering off on their own that aren't going to make it back. And they may be our kids and our grandkids and our families and our friends. Amen? And while we're arguing about stupid stuff, people are dying and going to hell in the midst of the famine of the Word of God. Here's what Ruth chapter 1 teaches me. Ruth chapter 1 teaches me that God pieces everything together. God pieces it all together. A family fled a place of famine for Naomi... To connect with a Moabitess woman named Ruth. And for the only two of that family to make it back was Naomi and Ruth. And for them to come back with a purpose. And the purpose was to bring freedom to all. Here's something that hit me in in. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1, it says now, in the days when the judges ruled. And all of a sudden that lit up in my, in my mind. Because I want to be real honest to you. We are living in days where judges are ruling. People are passing our judgment on everybody else. Cancel culture. Is judging who we deem to be appropriate or not appropriate. The judges are ruling. The judges in our land are ruling. Uh, People that are not elected are ruling. There are decisions that are made by states. Voted in by states. And then judges, a few judges, say, well, no, we say no to that. Many of the abortion laws that that would put abortion down, and there's there's states right now passing major abortion laws, But, but what's been taking place up to this point is states will pass restrictions and states will pass... Items to where it makes it much more difficult to kill a baby, only for courts to overturn that. Judges are ruling. In our own lives, judges are ruling. We live our life by the judgment of other people. And and what I want to say to you in the instance that they were living in, in the days that judges were ruling, a famine fell upon the land. 
And I want to tell you, in the day we're living in, while judges are ruling our world and making determinations of whose voice can be heard and whose can't, who can be here and who can be canceled, who can do this, who can't do that, what we have to be taught in corporate settings and, 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 and teaching our kids everything that goes against the Word of God, judges are ruling. And because of that, a famine of the Word has risen in our culture. I want to tell you, we need to wake up and we need to be praying. And then let your voice be heard, yes. But most of all, you better be praying and interceding. Because I want to tell you, there are some absolute, ridiculous concepts that are being pushed right now. Onto our children, into our schools, into our, into our, our settings. Just ridiculous concepts that are not based in reality in any way, shape, or form. And we need to be praying and interceding. And we need to overcome with the Word of God. The Word is still true. Amen. Are you all with me tonight? So when the judges ruled, there was a famine. And so verse 7, they left the place where they were. Verse 7, therefore she went out, Naomi went out from the place where she was. She decided, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm leaving the place I'm at. Is anybody ready to move out from the place we currently find ourselves in? Amen? It's time. It's time for the church to get bold enough and say, I'm not staying in this place that I'm in right now. I'm going back to where there's bread. I'm going back to where there's production. I'm going back. And where do we find that? In the presence of the Lord and in the Word of God. You're, you're not going to find it listening to your favorite TV preacher if you're not studying the Word for yourself. You're not going to find it by following everybody you can on podcasts and YouTube unless you're getting in the Word and praying and living this thing out for yourself. You're not going to find your way back. you got to get unsatisfied with where you are now and you got to say God I want everything you have for me for my family and for everyone I'm connected to because God can piece all of this together everything in this story God knit together God who does not cause evil but we discover all through scripture That God can sure enough cause evil to shine His light of truth even brighter. That when bad things happen to good people or bad people, God is able to come in and turn the scene and turn the light into the direction to show His goodness compared to that evil. And God knits it all together in your life. You may have had some bad things happen to you. Most of us have. And we've had issues and uh, terrible issues and people have done horrible things to many people and, and things that were beyond our control. But let me tell you the good news in, on all of that. And that is 
God is able, even in the midst of your darkest hurt and your greatest pain, if you will allow Him to, God can take the light of His grace and His goodness and His love, and He can turn it, and in the midst of your pain, He can show you how good He is compared to all of your pain. It doesn't do away with your pain. It doesn't mean you didn't feel that pain. It doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong what you went through, but it means God can knit together His grace with your pain and make you not a victim but an overcomer and God wants to do that in our lives we are not Christians quit playing the part of the victim to this culture we are not victims to this culture we only are victims when we will not stand up for the truth of God's word and we will not let God shine the light of his grace on us and through us Amen. I'm wound up tonight, yes. But we need it. And I'm going to be wound up Sunday. I'll just warn you now. So if you're scared of it, you might just want to watch online where you can shut me off if you need to. God can piece it all together. And the Holy Spirit can begin to lead us to believe for this move of God. And then we can walk in it. I'm, I don't have time. So I'm going to stop there. Next week. I'm going to take you somewhere. And I'm going to teach you something. Out of the book of Romans. With this. As we start this. And like I said. I don't know how long we're going to be in this. I didn't put any. I didn't put any limitations on myself. But God's piecing things all together. He's putting something together for those who come back to the place where his bread is found. He won't leave you. If you'll turn to him, if you'll try to, if you'll make that, that turn and say, I'm, I'm going back. To the house of bread. I'm going back to that place. I'm going back to the Lord. If you'll, if you'll do that, you know what? He'll piece everything together and he'll make you a path back. And Naomi's path back wasn't a pleasant one. She didn't like the journey. In fact, I may get into it next week or may not. I don't know, but or next time. But, but it, it, the word almost seems to tell us that Naomi and Ruth journeyed all the way back and Naomi didn't even talk to her. She was so mad and so bitter, she didn't even talk to her. It wasn't a pleasant journey, but it was a journey that God was bringing her on so he could bring her to freedom. So I, I, don't, I don't know who all I'm talking to, but here's what I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask of you to join me in making a decision. That we are going to be a part of the fresh move of God. And that we're not going to be dictated to by a culture that is anti-God. How we should serve God. I want to tell you, I'm fired up about that. I am sick of sitting and letting this culture dictate to the church. An anti-God culture dictate to the church how the church should serve God. 
They have no authority. They have no right. They have no relationship with God to be able to be leading us anywhere in the way we serve God. Amen. I know that doesn't make everybody happy or comfortable. But that's all right. We got to be different. If we're going to win this world that we can, if we're going to make a difference, we, we got to start, start being different and real. And quit playing this game that we have been trapped in. We're going to go to Romans 8 next week. And we're going to talk, talk a little bit about how all things work together. Because God puts things together for those who get up and move. Hmm. I'll just stop there.